Welcome back to the show, my darling friends. I hope you are doing well today. This week is a hard week for me, and this episode that you're about to listen to is a very, very vulnerable, tender, soft, raw, open-hearted one. We just said goodbye to one of our family dogs this week, and it's been a very precious, painful time. I share the journey of dogs today. I share the journey of love and letting go and gratitude and joy and grief and just that magical bond that only a dog really can bring. And I'm so grateful I get to share the story and I get to speak these words. They were very healing to share and I hope you find some healing here too. Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with our signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just the perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Hi, everybody. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the Yoga Girl podcast. I have been pacing myself. I have been trying to prepare myself. I've been trying to to process as much as possible before sitting down to record this week's podcast because... I am uh, I am in a place right now that feels almost too tender, almost too um, raw and vulnerable. And I very rarely feel that way with the pod, you know. And the strange thing about this podcast and how intimate it is and how my my storytelling and my sharing here is... <sighs> It's so intimate. It's really crazy intimate. <laughs> I really sit down every week and I and I just open my heart and I pour my heart out and I share whatever is true and, and real. And every time I sit down to record, I feel like I'm sitting down to talk to a friend. So there is no way for me to be going through something and to fake it. You know, I, I feel like if this podcast was less intimate or less real, I could, um, yeah, I could make something up for this week. I could, I could choose a topic and I could go, hey, today we're going to talk about foraging, you know, and then I would just have an episode about foraging, which we should have, by the way, it sounds like fun <laughs> or, you know, do something else or I would have pre-recorded episodes ready for a hard week and, you know, I don't have any of that and I know I, I, I wouldn't be able to, to not sit down and and tell the truth you know but you know the the pod must go on like it's really an every week kind of thing and whenever I say that you know it's it's never it's never um it's never it's never hard to record this podcast it's never a have to 
you know, it's it's never something I have to make myself do. And it's hard. It never feels like work. And whenever I share it kind of like, you know, this this pot, it rolls every week. And, and if something comes up, I've had some of you write me, you know, you can just take a break. You know, you can just, it's okay if there's no pod one week, like if I've been sick or something's happened, you know. And I feel like that's so, such a loving thing to to say. And it's exactly what a friend would say, another friend, if they're going through something hard. It's like, just take a break this week. But here I am. And um, yeah, just a trigger warning that on today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to talk about death. And I'm going to cry. I'm already crying. And I feel, <laughs> I was like, I was telling Dennis this morning, I need to do something really fun and uplifting and just like clear my head before I sit down to record the podcast. So I don't start the podcast off crying. You know, I don't want it to be like a sniffly, you know, snotty, just crying all the way through kind of, kind of pod. <laughs> but it, it already is. <laughs> Even though I went to yoga this morning, I actually went to a, a class, which I never really do. And I took a walk and I sat on the sun and I laughed with a friend on the phone and yeah, I'm feeling overall really steady. And then as soon as I sit down, it's like, hey, hi, I'm talking to you. And talking to you means, means means speaking from the heart, right? <laughs> Which also happens to be the name of this pod. And immediately my heart just breaks a little bit. So yesterday, well, maybe I start from the beginning. I, I was trying to remember how many weeks ago I shared on the pod that my brother's dog was ill and that he was passing away. It was a lot of weeks ago. It might have been even two months ago. I think six, seven weeks, maybe even eight, almost two months. And we were traveling. We were on the West Coast, Leah and Dennis and I, together with my dad's side of the family, when my brother found out that his his dog, his dog's name's Hammer, and he's he's more more of a person than a dog. And I know a lot of dog people say that about their dogs, like he's so human, and but like Hammer really was something else you know and Ludwig my brother he found out that he had a, a tumor in his sinuses kind of pressing on the front of his brain and that it was a big one and it was almost two months ago you know and it was very urgent and it was very you know it, it happened so quickly and he his health just deteriorated so quickly so there was a moment there where I really thought I'm gonna leave it was only a five-day trip we were on on the west coast and I thought, I'm going to I'm gonna have to cut this trip short and go home because he's going to have to let Hammer go and, and put him down, you know, before he, before it gets unbearable. You know, it happened so quickly. And he went from being totally fine to not being able to breathe through his nose. And for a dog, that's really, yeah, you know, have you ever met a dog? <laughs> have you ever met a dog? <laughs> Do you know any dogs? <laughs> Are you a dog person? Um, you know, dogs breathe through their nose majority of the time, unless they are panting or, you know, out walking or running, you know, they they regulate through, through breathing through their mouths, but they breathe through their noses. Their mouths are almost always closed. And especially for sleep, right? They just, all of their breathing happens through the nose. So not being able to breathe and having a, having a tumor there pressing on your sinuses, it's just too, too much, right? So I almost went home because um, he asked, he said, it, it might happen very soon. And can you be here with me? And I said, of course, you know, but then the next day he was, he was kind of a little bit better, you know, and, and then something happened. I mean, it really was a, it really was a, a, a shift. I don't know. It went from this really urgent, panicky, crazy, feeling scary kind of thing to all of a sudden he got a little bit better and. And we got some time and it was, it has been the most beautiful time. I mean, really, really. And I was sharing just a little bit about this, this feeling that I get sometimes when I speak publicly about 
the loss of a of a of an animal, the loss of a dog. I know for for all you cat people who are listening, I know there's a lot of you out there. You know, the loss of a cat, the loss of a dog. It is so hard for someone who doesn't have a dog to understand what that's like. And it's, you know, I, I hear people kind of shrug their shoulders and, you know, it's just a dog. It's not like it's a person or someone's child or, you know, it's not like it was a human. It's just a dog. And and that's the thing, you know, for anyone who, anyone who has a dog that is home, anyone who has a dog or a pet that is really family you know that really has that deep deep bond there's no such thing as just a dog you know and we lost a dog and I talked about that and I talked about him in that last episode I recorded when I thought it was kind of happening then and of course losing hammer or hammer getting getting sick triggered a lot of of those memories for me around Pepper, mine and Dennis's dog, our first first dog together. He was our first baby, really. Um, and I, I wrote about in my book, To Love and Let Go, I wrote, I feel like the book is so much about him. You know, he's even on the cover, the picture of him and I on the cover of that book. And I, I share so much of that grief and that process there because it was so big. That whole book is about grief and about death and uh, the same year I my best friend died and, and then my grandma died and then Pepper died and then it was just so much within within a year. So that whole book is about it's about grief, really letting go. Yeah, loving and letting go. And since I wrote that book and then published that book and, you know, read the audio version of that book, this was all twenty nineteen, you know, it's been three years. I haven't really picked up Pepper in that way. I haven't, he's been less present with me since I, it was a whole journey writing the book. It was really the the parts that I cried through the most. And I remember recording the audio version, which is reading every word you've written, reading every chapter um, for the audio book. And I cried a lot. And for an audiobook, it's not like a podcast. It's not like you can just start sniffling and crying your eyes out and sitting there with a the stuffy nose. You know, it's not this. <laughs> but it has to be proper. You know, it has to be read like a book. <laughs> can you imagine, though? I feel like I would really love that if I was listening to an audiobook and it's an emotional passage and the author shows that emotion. You know, but that's me. Anyway, that's not how that book world works. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where Ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. So anyway, I had to pause a lot all through that recording because it was one thing writing the book, which took years to do, and then editing the book, which took like a year and a half to do. It was like forever editing. And then 
I was done and then I had to pick it back up and read it. And that was so emotional. It was very, very, very healing. I cried so much. And then when I got to the part, the big part of the book is about Pepper and his death. That was the hardest thing to read for me. It was the hardest part of the recording. It was, I had to pause and pause and pause. I had to take a break. I had to start another day. I almost couldn't get through it really because the pain of his passing was still so very tender. And this was 2019, right? He passed in 2014. It's, it had been five years at that point. And the pain was still so, it was kind of like, you know, you've if you've gone through grief, real sadness, you know, the passing of someone you love, as time, at least this has been my experience, as time moves forward, it's not like the pain diminishes, you know, but it's kind of like it gets put in a, in a further away part of your heart. So it takes a little more to, to unpack it, you know, as the years go by. It's, it's always there. It's going to always be there. That loss is always there. The pain is always there. But it, there's almost like there's like a layer of, of insulation, of fluff, like a layer of, of, of groundedness. There's something soft covering that pain. But with Pepper, when I was doing the audiobook, it was like that pain was right at the surface of my skin. And as soon as I opened that door, it was like it happened yesterday. You know, it was really like I was reliving the whole thing. And it stayed that tender for a long time. And then when I was done and then the book was published and I even remember on the book tour, I was doing some speaking engagements and some interviews and whenever someone would ask about about Pepper, I I had a really hard time getting through those questions. Like I had a I had a hard time answering those questions and opening that door again and again because there is something about losing a pet that is just it's different. It's a different kind of grief. It's a different, different kind of place you go compared to losing, losing people. And I lost my best friend, you know, and it's not like, you know, Pepper's death was worse. Like I lost my best friend. She was my, my, my person, you know, and, and I miss her so very much. It's just like that grief lives in a different place. That's just how it feels. It's a more adult somehow kind of grief. It's also, I've realized, losing a pet, if it's your own and, you know, you feel responsible for them, you are responsible for them. So for me, it came with a lot of guilt, a lot, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of feelings around, you know, I, I could have prevented this, I should have prevented this. I should have known better. I should have known. I should have. It was almost like the layer of of guilt that came along with his loss was so heavy that it was very hard for me to to move through. It was really hard for me to move through. And when my best friend died, you know, I in the very beginning, I remember having those feelings. I, I think on, when someone dies really traumatically or unexpectedly or she died in a car crash, I had a lot of those feelings like if I would have called her that day, you know, if I she had texted me a few days before and we were going to get on the phone and then we didn't. And I had that thought if I would have called her that day and we would have had a two minute call, you know, just like a little caller. What's up? How you doing? How's life today? That little check in. If I would have done that and she would have picked up the phone, then maybe she would have left that parking lot that she left you know, to get on the highway, she would have done that five minutes later, or two minutes later. And that would have been, you know, that could have saved her life. Like that could have been the difference between life and death. That truck that happened to pass at that moment wouldn't have been passing at that. You know, it's like you start thinking all the what if, what if, what if, if only, if only, if only, but somewhere fairly early, those feelings went away because I realized like that's, it's just, it's just untrue. You know, I couldn't have prevented her death. I couldn't have. I really, I couldn't have. I wish I could have, but I couldn't have, you know. And there's something so completely uncontrollable in that death. You know, it wasn't up to me. It wasn't my fault. But with, with Pepper, I really felt like it was up to me. It was my fault. You know, he was my baby. He was my, he was my little guy. 
like I should have I should have known you know so yeah when I shared that that podcast a couple weeks ago just talking about my brother's dog and being ill it was my first time opening the door to the the grief around Pepper's death in a really long time really feeling him present and of course if you heard that episode you know crying and <laughs> feeling a lot of feelings and yeah and since then I've felt him really close you know I, I really have I've felt him really near really close close to me and Dennis and I are talking about him we don't talk about him that much I mean it's been eight years now <laughs> that's pretty crazy it's been eight years since he passed it's a long time you know but Dennis and I have been reminiscing and just, yeah, he's been with us in a way. And these past weeks, getting this time with Hammer, I think has been so, so special and so healing. And there was even a, a while where all of a sudden he was doing so well that I was like, well, are you sure? Are you sure he has a tumor? Like, are you sure there's nothing we can do? It was like inoperable and no treatment available and in a really tricky place. And and my brother just had, he, he kind of had to keep reminding us that no, you know, his time is coming. It's just, it's just not today, you know, but there's going to be a time where, where he deteriorates and where, where suffering sets in. And it's like, I don't want him to suffer. So I don't know how much time we have, but we have now, right? And then now became like a week and it became two weeks and three weeks and a month. And then we we had all this time and it was because I think I don't know because it was almost like borrowed time it's a very strange place to be knowing that someone is gonna pass but right now you have this now it makes everything so precious you know it makes every day so special it really it really brought this huge level of presence into every moment with Hammer and we've seen more of my brother in the past in the past month and a half than I have, I think, combined in the past 10 years. You know, he's been here for dinner almost every night, um, going for tons of walks, just going for swims, sitting down by the dock. Hammer loves to swim. He loves the lake, loves the water. So just being down by the water here where we live with him and Leia cuddling with him. And it's been... I, I can't really put into words how grateful I am for these past weeks because it also brought this unbelievable closeness between me and my brother, right? It it did. And I think it's it softened all of us to this degree where just, you know, nothing else really matters. It's like, it's this, it's family and it's this love we share and it's having this time with the people and the animals that we love and how we love these animals oh my god oh my god how we love these animals it's really wild you know we have three now we have Ringo and Keela and Laika and my brother has Hammer and that's his his one you know but everyone in our family has a dog even my dad now has a dog and <laughs> my dad who's been super allergic all his life, who's been really not a dog person all his life. Even my dad has a dog. Every single one of my siblings has a dog. Everybody has a dog now. Yeah, wait, when I think about it, like really counting, it's crazy because growing up, I was severely allergic to all furry animals. I was allergic to the point that if, you know, someone in, in my class in school had an animal at home and they like snuggled that dog or cat before they came to school and then sitting next to them at school or sitting close to them in school I would get sick like I was so allergic and I was allergic my whole life and for as long as I can remember you know my brother wanted a dog and I of course being allergic it's like I loved animals but I knew it was an impossibility and I never had the chance really to snuggle and cuddle and be close. And I always had to stay very far away from animals my whole life, which now that I say it out loud is so sad, really so sad. Like I had a whole childhood void of animals, which is crazy, you know, 
And for as long as I can remember, my brother wanted a dog. He's all he's ever wanted. I can remember him, Leia's age, younger than Leia's age, asking for a dog, asking for a dog, wanting a dog. And then because of me and my allergies, it's like it was never possible. It was just an impossibility, not going to happen. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And I've been thinking about that so much. It's like... Like his whole life, he was waiting for Hammer. You know, he was waiting for for this one dog. Like, kind of like he was waiting for his soulmate. You know, he, they were waiting for each other. And if he would have gotten a dog when he was, you know, old enough to walk a dog, I think I th- we had a lot of conversations when, when we were teenagers and when he turned like 12, 13 and he would beg and could we find an allergy-friendly one? And, you know, what about one of those dogs without fur (laughs) even though it's not the fur that you're allergic to but it just it just wasn't possible right but if he would have if he would have had a dog at that time then he wouldn't have had hammer right his whole life would be would be different he maybe wouldn't have moved to the states you know as soon as he graduated high school he moved to LA to go to music school and to play guitar and that's where hammer came into his life and if he had a dog then he probably wouldn't have moved I don't think so you know, or he would have already had his dog, you know, so it wouldn't have been Hammer, it would have been something else, which is so impossible to even think about. But our whole life, you know, there were no animals in our family because of me. And then when I turned 18, I moved and I, I fled and I ended up in Costa Rica and changed my life. And the first thing that happened, really one of the first things that happened when I started healing was that my allergies fell away. I had so many. I was one of those crazy kids that was allergic to everything. I mean, all the things you could eat and fruits and vegetables and pollen and and feathers and of course, all animals. And it was just, I was always, it was like I was living, moving through a minefield, you know, traversing all the things that could give me an allergic reaction. And then moving to Costa Rica and and I changed everything and and those allergies all of a sudden I could eat things I couldn't eat all of a sudden I could have an apple and not have my whole mouth swell up you know I could eat tomato raw tomato I couldn't deal with raw tomato my whole life without like my lips getting really itchy and thick um, nuts I couldn't eat at all you know I couldn't even try and then suddenly I could and I remember one of those big light bulb moments I had was like maybe maybe I could, maybe I could get a dog. Like maybe I could have an animal now, you know? And so the first dog that came into my life was Keela. Um, who, and this is, it's a funny, I think I've told this story on the pod. I'm not going to tell the whole story because it's long and this, this pod is not, it's not going to go there. But basically I, I saved slash stole Keela and her little brother, <laughs> two tiny puppies. They were like four weeks old, you know, barely eyes opened. And, uh, and took them in, you know, and then I lost or, yeah, I lost Keela's brother and I was left with Keela alone. I'll tell this story another time. Don't worry. And my mom came to visit and she was in Costa Rica with my sisters and Ludwig. Ludwig came. He spent like three or four months living in Dominical in this little town I lived in Costa Rica and he got a little shack there or he stayed in the shack where I used to live and was always like sleeping in a hammock there and. You know, I was probably nine. He was probably 17. I was 19, 20 or something. And my mom found a dog in the mountains. She had rented a house in the mountains and this dog showed up one day. This beautiful, beautiful dog, like really like a, he was just majestic looking. He just showed up one day and he was just such a lover. And they fell head over heels. And it was like, I had moved out. You know, I was living in Costa Rica. It was animals were up for grabs. And I think him, this dog, they named him Shanti. And Shanti was kind of the initiation 
right? For my family to like, wait, like we can have, we can have a dog. Like how, how would a dog fit into our lives? And I got Keela and we have these beautiful photos of like Keela as a, you know, a half a pound puppy, like tiny puppy sleeping on Shanti's neck. It's so beautiful. It was really so beautiful. And then right at the end of that trip, as they were arranging how to bring Shanti home and, you know, getting all the papers in order and the vet stamps and everything to bring Shanti to Sweden, he died. It was really, really, really sad. I mean, really sad. He, one day when my mom and my little, my siblings, they were going to the beach and they was kind of on a mountain road and that like they would do every day. He had followed them all the way down from the top of the mountain all the way and he ran after the car on the highway and of course they didn't know they didn't see and he got hit by a car and he died and I remember this so intensely it was really really brutal it was oh and I it was really brutal I haven't thought about this in a long time and I remember my of course my mom and my siblings and everyone was just losing it you know, losing it so, so, so. And they had him for such a short time. It was like two months or a month and a half they had him. And it was just such a heartbreak. And we didn't know what to do. And I called my friends who who were, who had a dive shop in the street where we were. And and I was like, I need, I need help. We need to, we need to, we need to find, we need to pick up this dog and we need to, we need to bury him. I need help. And I remember we pulled out onto the onto the highway and found him because someone had said that they had seen his collar like he was lost for for a little bit they didn't know where he was and someone had seen that collar and then we it was pouring rain middle of the night and I remember driving with my friend Mike and he and Rich (laughs) and he stops the car and looks at me and goes you stay in the car like don't don't get out don't get out and they picked him up and I think it was really bad and we drove up to the house and buried him there, you know, and had a little ceremony for him there. And it was so sad and so heartbreaking. But in a way, it was kind of like he was the initiation for all the dogs in our family without without him, you know, without him and Keela, because they really entered at the same time. There wouldn't have been everybody else somehow. And so when they left Costa Rica, they immediately, immediately, as soon as they came home, got a dog. And that's Henry. And Henry now lives with my other brother. Um, And he's also getting old, right? This was 13 years ago. So Henry's 13. And then right after that, my brother graduated and he moved to LA. And really strangely, like how he came across Hammer, there was really... Like it was a, a friend, I think, or an acquaintance that had a dog. It's a year old. He was from the Midwest. Like he wasn't even from LA. It was a dog that he had gotten, I think, at a shelter somewhere else and uh, couldn't keep him. And my brother's just like, he just knew like this, this, this is my dog. This is my person. That was Hammer, you know. And so basically his whole adult life, he's 31 now, Hammer's. 13 his whole adult life it's been him and hammer it's been the two of them against the world it hasn't been like you know sometimes like with Ringo for example our little one I kind of get this feeling sometimes like he's our little baby and Dennis and I were like his parents you know because he's really childlike puppy like like he's I don't think Ringo is a super old soul (laughs) you know what I mean I mean, he's not a young soul either, but he's not ancient, right? He really does feel like our little baby. But with Hammer and Ludwig, they were more like equals somehow. You know, it was more like, it was just his person. Like it was them together. And then everywhere for as long, for as long, I mean, for as long as I can recall. Yeah, for the past like 12 years, whenever you've met Ludwig, you've met Hammer. Like Hammer is always there. He comes to work with him every day, all day. They, they they don't separate. They don't have a reason to to separate. Like wherever Ludwig goes, Hammer goes. Wherever Hammer goes, Ludwig goes. And I I can't just visualizing, like envisioning, seeing him, and not him not taking a moment to like open the back, you know, to get Hammer out of the car. 
It's like you see Ludwig walking down the street or coming out of the car to greet you or walking into the house. Like it's, it's them, right? It's not just him. It's almost like, yeah, it's like they're attached, you know, even in my brain now, I'm trying to visualize it. Like what, what, what is it going to be like to see him just, you know, is he just going to get out of his car alone? Like doesn't make, doesn't compute, you know? So anyway, so I got Keila and then my mom got Henry and then Ludwig got Hammer and then I met Dennis, right? And Dennis already had Laika. He had gotten her um, kind of similarly, like she was also a year when we met and he got her at the shelter and together we got Pepper. We found him in a trash can the side of the road because this is what people do. Sometimes they have animals who get unwanted puppies and they throw them away. And he was just this tiny, tiny, tiny little, oh my God, he was so dirty. He smelled so bad. He was so little. His belly was so swollen. It was like his his head was too big for his whole body. Like he was just so, oh, he was so cute. It was crazy. And I just knew like this, there's no way I'm going to bring this dog to the shelter. You know, like this is, this is, this is our dog. And yeah, and then we got Ringo a couple of years later, you know, so Ringo really was the baby. And for a long time, wherever, it was so easy to have Ringo in the beginning, you know, that first year, because he was a puppy. So he was, of course, a little bit, a little bit crazy, like how all puppies are. But it was Ringo and Pepper together, always. You know, Pepper was a big, black, lab-looking dog. He was just a big he was a big boy dog, you know, the kind of dog, like similar to Hammer, like the kind of dog that loves to swim. He would, I mean, we've seen him, like taking him to the beach in Aruba and he just like sees someone on a paddleboard way out in the distance and just goes for it, right? <laughs> like we have seen him. <laughs> oh my God, we're such, we're, we were such irresponsible dog owners, but just Pepper like spotting something in the distance and he's like, okay, bye. And he just swims. He would swim and swim and swim. And we're like yelling at him, come back, come back. And it's like a stranger on a paddleboard way out. We have seen him knock people off their paddleboards to get up on the paddleboard because he loved the paddleboard so much. <laughs> That's always like a fun apology to make. Luckily, the person he did that to was like a huge dog lover, so it was okay. <laughs> but he was just like a, a stick carrying, you know, loved to play fetch, like just a little bit clumsy, you know, just like a big doofus. Like that's kind of how Pepper was. I I miss him so much. Like even just talking about him, I miss him. And he would howl if he heard a high-pitched noise, like an ambulance or even just a high-pitched, you could make a high-pitched noise next to him and he would sing, you know, he would sing. And in the beginning, you know, it was Ringo and Pepper, like wherever Pepper went, Ringo was there. Ringo was by his feet, so even though Ringo was a puppy and he didn't listen so well, we never had to worry because all we had to do was call Pepper and Ringo would be there with Pepper. And Pepper listened. He was the best listener we ever had of all of our dogs. He was, yeah, we've never been one of those, you know, people who are like super great at training our dogs or like I would love to be one of those people who can walk down a busy street in the city with a dog at your feet without a leash. That is not us. Okay. <laughs> definitely not us like we have lived kind of chaotic lives like our dogs are always like living outside and inside and always go for walks without leashes because we've been you know on the north shore of Aruba where there's nobody else or in our little street like a dead end street where we lived with no other houses or and or anything so we never really had to you know do those like specific diligent disciplines training and we're not good at that but with Pepper, it's like you never had to, you know, he just, he was always there. He would never run away. He would never stray far. He would always stay close. And if he ever like, you know, aside from that, like aside from when he was in the water, like that was hard. Once he was in the water, it was hard to get him out. Like he loved the water. But for walks and stuff, all you had to do was call him and he would come right at your feet and Ringo would be there, you know. So when Pepper died, that was really the beginning of Ringo like running away and I'm wondering, like, if he, if he started doing that, maybe he was looking for Pepper in the beginning and that's why he ran away. We had so many and I was so scared that something was going to happen to him because I was so scared of death after that year where everybody died. 
Ringo never went off leash again. Poor baby. Yeah, he really didn't. Now he's off leash on our land. And that's the first time really since before Pepper died that Ringo has been off leash. He's never off leash because that little that little bastard, he just like he would do that. Like after Pepper died, he would just take off. And he would kind of turn around looking at us, knowing that he's not supposed to run, right? Knowing that he's doing something bad. And he would just run. You know, I've we have so many crazy stories of hunting Ringo down off the side of a mountain in Costa Rica. And, you know, he was just like he, he's a sight hound. He's an Italian greyhound and they they love to chase things, right? So you see a squirrel or a bird and like boom, he would just go. But with Pepper, that was never the key. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. But so anyway, and then now we have all these dogs, right? So if I count, it's Keela, Laika, Ringo, and we had Pepper. My brother had Hammer. My mom had Henry. So this was like all the family dogs. We were all very close together. And then my sister, she got two dogs on her mom's side. My, my half-sister, Emily, has two dogs there. And then my other sister, who just visited us a couple of weeks ago, she's my the opera singing sister. If you're ever trying to keep track of my family, uh, I think you can give up. It's impossible. Like my family is totally crazy and all over the place. One day I'm going to make like a little family tree just to like paint a picture so it makes sense. But I have, there's nine siblings I'm the, yeah, there's nine of us and there's a lot of halves. The only ones that are with the same mom and dad is me and Ludwig, me and my brother, out of us, out of us grownups. But so my other sister, the opera singing one, she strangely has spent her whole entire life deathly terrified of dogs. So can you imagine <laughs> with all these dogs around and she's so scared of dogs. She's been scared of dogs her whole life. I can't remember. She had a scary thing happen when she was little with a, like a scary incident with a, an off-leash dog. And she just was completely traumatized by that and so scared of dogs. And then all of a sudden, like a year and a half ago or something, she just gets over this fear and now she has a dog. <laughs> and it's so crazy because she was just here. And, you know, we know when your family, when you're dog people and then you meet someone who isn't like a dog person, they they haven't been around dogs for years and years and years, you know, you kind of lack that, that feeling around animals. And she still has that, like she has a dog that she loves, but she's still a little awkward around dogs. She doesn't really know how, you know, certain things. And I caught myself with her all the time. Like, you know, just, no, you, you gotta like shorten the leash. And then like the dogs are like going all over the place and leashes are getting tangled. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Like when you're out walking four dogs, you you gotta you gotta keep you gotta keep to your space, you know, like stuff that's like natural to everyone who's had a bunch of dogs isn't natural to her. But she's so in love with her dog. Her name's Cheetah, and she's a rescue, and she's so beautiful. And it's like her whole life now. And she's like all of a sudden, she's also a dog person. And then in the middle of all of this, out of the blue, my dad goes and gets a dog, and it's like he. So literally, there's not one. Oh, yeah. And then I forgot about one. Some of you who follow me on, on social media, you might remember Sam. 
I don't know if that rings a bell for anybody, but he was, is, but was a crazy, like actually legitimately kind of crazy stray, a dog that lived in our street that every time we walked in Aruba, we would take the dogs out on the road. He would join us and he would come running like happily, so excited to go for a walk with us, even though he wasn't our dog. Some other, some lady down the road was feeding him, but he wasn't really, no one had claimed him. There's a lot of dogs like that in Aruba. And when it comes to adult dogs, we don't, through our animal rescue organization that we have in Aruba called Sergeant Pepper's Friends, named after Pepper, we don't take in adults because they are near impossible to domesticate. They are near impossible to to rehome. You know, rehoming an adult dog, they often have, you know, they can have a lot of aggression that's really difficult to to manage and to deal with. They are almost never appropriate for, for families and for kids, you know, but puppies and little ones, you can still shape them but a dog that has been living in the streets for years you know it's it's a different kind of animal you know it's an animal it's, it's not a pet it's an animal and sam is an animal okay <laughs> he's an animal and he was just this crazy dog living in our street and we one day yeah these also wildly crazy neighbors that we had started poisoning dogs in the area and we saved two that were poisoned and then we got really scared that Sam because we knew him because he was just walking with us every day you know we would feed him from time to time that he was going to get poisoned so we took him in and then my sister came to visit my sister Maya and she fell in love with this dog and he slept every night in her bed and I remember going like mm, like I could <laughs> maybe we get Sam to Sweden you know knowing like he's never going to find like a solid home in Aruba or anywhere and she brought him home you know <laughs> And now it's like, you can't imagine Maya without Sam. Like everyone in the family, sorry, this became like a long winded explanation of all of our family dogs, but everyone has a dog. And I'm thinking, you know, sitting here, like, what would life be like without, without these dogs? How flat and dull and lifeless I mean, we would find, of course, there would be life, there would be joy from other things, but the amount of life and fullness and just that plain happiness that a dog brings, it really is out of this world. It's like it's not comparable to anything else because no matter where we go, no matter what's going on in our lives, like there they are. No matter what kind of day you've had, you open the door to your house and there they are and they are so happy to see you so happy to see you and it's this this level of just unconditional love that is really hard to get in any other place and there's also a simplicity to that love you know i think that's what makes it so special that the love between people of course it can be huge and massive and big and unconditional and beautiful but it's always a little bit complex right because it comes with personalities of human beings it comes with resentment and it comes with fear and it comes with you know, worries and insecurities and, and human being stuff. Like we are complicated as people. Dogs are not complicated, you know. Dogs just love. And somehow through them just loving, we get to also just love in this very straightforward, uncomplicated way. You know, we don't have to dissect it or analyze it or make sense of it or figure stuff out it's just that love is just there and it's constant and it's ever ever flowing overflowing all the time and I think part of you know losing a dog is just it's it reaches another part of us because it is that part that we're constantly looking for inside of ourselves you know we want to love like we love our dogs. We want to love like how we are loved by our dogs. We want to dwell and be in that kind of unconditional, uncomplicated, just obvious, beautiful place. It's the most beautiful way to relate. I mean, it really, really, really is. And I also, I feel so grateful for them. And I'm feeling a lot of grief 
underneath it all, I just feel so much gratitude because what's so wild, you know, and of course it's true what they say, it's we, we grieve at the level that we loved, right? And that is why losing a dog and grieving a dog, it hurts so much because we loved them so much and they loved us so much and the level of love was just infinite, right? So the grief also becomes just so deep so heavy and and also so straight to the point you know it's 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 not a complicated grief it's just raw it just hurts all the time and i find it almost it's almost wild to me that 8 years later and i can just open this little door in my heart where this pain lives for losing pepper and it's just there you know i can cry about it in an instant like i miss him all the time and it's been 8 years you know, there's no such thing as it's just a dog. You know, a dog is everything. A dog is, is life. <laughs> My brother he used to, he used to call Hammer, he used to call him Livet. It's a beautiful Swedish word and it, it means life. Du livet. So you're just life. And I really think he loved him like life, you know. His presence was so big, like he was life. And now to somehow move on from that, you know, to somehow live without that. And of course, it's like they live on in our hearts and a part of them will always be with us. But that's also not true, right? Because there is loss. And all of a sudden you, you walk home and you open the door and, and you step into an empty house, you know? How do you move on from that? Like it's really, really, really heavy. And in the last days, just when Hammer started getting worse and then it happened really quickly in the very end, just the last few days, it was very quick. And it was it was very beautiful in a way because it was so obvious. And this is for me what I what I felt was very healing to just to get to witness compared to how how Pepper died. Pepper died. He got very sick, seemingly overnight. And we f we didn't even know he was sick. He was running and swimming and being his normal self, you know, so healthy, looking so happy, so normal to finding out he's severely ill. And then four days later, he, he died. There was no and even even though we knew he was sick, there was not a bone in my body that thought he would die. The day before he died, we were we had we had planned a blood transfusion the next day to help get his blood count up. And I went to bed that night, like, you know, I was worried about him, but I did not think he was gonna die. No way. And the sound, like I I was I woke up in the morning from the sound of him gasping for air. That's like I woke up from that sound, like him trying to breathe not he didn't have any more he, he didn't have any he couldn't he couldn't breathe and how shocked like the shock that came with that death how unprepared I was how completely out of the blue you know it was really really out of the blue and very very violent just the whole passing was very violent very traumatic very so overwhelming and to compare that with now, you know, with knowing, knowing Hammer was going to die, getting to somehow really cherish those days, being there, seeing it planned and, and prepared and grounded and calm and, and also seeing how he was so ready. He was so ready. He was really so, so, so ready. It was that feeling that I had with Pepper that it was too soon, it was too early, he had a whole life to live. It, there was none of that with Hammer because it, he lived a complete life, a full and complete life. And although it was really, you know, being there for the for his passing and holding my brother through his passing, it, it goes down for me in, in the history of just the most painful, one of the most painful and beautiful days of my whole entire life. It's up there.
it, it definitely is one of the most painful, hardest, hardest things I've ever, ever experienced. But at the same time, it was also so very healing, you know, because it was, it was painful and it was heartbreaking and it, and it's so sad that he's gone, but it was always filled with so much, with so much joy. Like even on that last day, just, we took a long walk with the dogs and there was so much joy. And I, I took a billion photos, you know, how you take photos of, of someone you love who's losing the person they love the most or the one they love the most. I took a thousand photos of my brother <laughs> and he's smiling in every single one. He really is, you know, and I was kind of, I was looking through those <laughs> Just those pictures of that last walk, all the dogs walking through the woods, walking to the lake, throwing sticks, you know, the last stick, all of that, like knowing, knowing, like this is, these are his last hours. Every single photo, he's smiling, you know, and that's how I, that's how I want to remember Hammer, and that's how I want to hold them just in, in memory of them together is just with so much joy and it's wild it's really wild you know like how uh and I look at it now like after he passed and that whole long you know very very hard afternoon and I and I see the ripple effect of of all the people that are so touched and moved by Hammer you know, how he completely just blew my brother's heart open. My brother's so soft. He's so himself. He's so, it's so, it's very special just to be near him right now. He's, it's, it's, uh, it's just very special. And I look at our parents, you know, our mom and our dad and how they are so very vulnerable and it's intimate and it's soft and it's gentle and and then all of our siblings you know all of us sitting here with our dogs at home and hammer's the first one to pass you know how everyone is just loving each other and there's none of that it's almost like that simplicity and uncomplicated love that you share with a dog. It's like that love has spilled over into all of our human relationships right now. And yeah, underneath there's layers of complexity and challenges and people stuff, right? But right now, none of that really matters, you know, because of Hammer. It's like his love is just like he left this earthly place and that all of that love has just spilled over onto everybody else and everyone is just loving right now in a really powerful way <laughs> and even the vet who was who was there for the final moments he cried like everybody who I know some of you listening now like you are shedding a tear for for Hammer and for Ludwig and it's so special to me that a dog did this <laughs> you know a dog did this. A dog changed this whole this whole world. Like a dog has changed a whole life. A dog has changed our whole family. A dog is... You can never say, it's just a dog. No such thing. It's just a dog. When a dog is actually life. Livet. You know. And I like to... I like to believe that, you know, Pepper and Hammer are chasing sticks somewhere now. <laughs> when my, one of the last days when my, we had a, my sister had a birthday this weekend and a lot of our family was the last time they got to see Hammer and they got to say goodbye and it was time to leave. My, my grandfather was leaving and he's getting a little older, you know, he's, He's he's getting older. He's a little scatterbrained. And so you have to speak up when you speak to him now. And he was leaving. And he was like, okay, bye, everybody. You know, and then we were like, but hey, hey, Farfar, like you have to, you got to say bye to Hammer. You know, this is the last time you see him. 
And he just stopped in his tracks and he bent down. You know, he's 78 years old and he, he bent down and he whispered, And I can't say those words without, without something bursting in my heart. It means I'll see you at the next lake. And I really, I really feel the truth of that, that the next lake, right? The next life, like wherever that is, we'll, we'll see him at the next lake. And at the end of our lives, we'll get to throw sticks with every dog we've ever loved. And I feel so grateful that at the end of my life, there's going to be so many dogs there. <laughs> there's going to be, there's going to be so many dogs waiting for me. And it's really heartbreaking to think of all the the loss that that is going to have to involve. And But it also means that all the love I got to feel in a whole lifetime, like that depth of love, you know, at the end of my life, there's going to be so many dogs waiting for me at the next lake. And there's such gratitude in knowing that. And I think this is the end of my share today. <laughs> I feel like I did good. <laughs> I feel like I didn't I I did I was in a mess the whole time. But if I could ask one thing of you, it would mean so much. Just I don't know if you pray or if you meditate or if you could just send a loving, warm thought or a loving, warm prayer, just a little loving energy my brother's way that would really mean so much and all of our way I think and I'll be back next week until then <laughs> squeeze all of your fur babies all of them really tight I know you are all the time but just really cherish them yeah thanks for listening I'll see you next Friday <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.